0: Wash over me, I'm ready to lose my feet. Take me off to the place where one reviews life's mystery. I'm
1: steady on down the line, lose every sense of time. Take it all in, and wake up. That's one part of me. Day to day, I'm blind to
0: see and find how far to go. Everybody got the
2: What is up, guys? Welcome to The Political Penny. I am your co-host, Jensen Ahojkovi. And I am your other co-host, Vincent Jones. Thanks for joining us here today on episode four of The Political Penny, episode about the Obama administration. Thanks for joining us here today. But before you go ahead and listen to us, don't forget to subscribe and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Political petty and also be sure to visit our website, PoliticalPenny.com, and be sure to scroll down and subscribe to receive weekly news and updates about our podcast. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us here again on episode four of The Political Penny. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Obama administration, but before we get into things today, guys... As you guys all know, visit how was your day?
0: My day today, another Sunday, pretty good. Um, this whole weekend I've been getting a chance to check out some AAF football. For you guys that don't know, there's a new football league in town. It's called the Alliance American Football, I believe. Um, and the games are pretty entertaining. I don't know, have you had a chance to catch up on some of them?
2: Um, I've actually you know I've seen snippets of it on uh, social mm-hmm. media because uh, this is actually uh, I think the last time we've seen a league separate from the NFL was uh, was it the, the XFL the, I think. yeah the XFL yeah. and uh, this is I think this is this was a reboot right um, I'm not uh, no cuz no the
0: XFL is coming actually later on too there's another so the XFL is making oh. a reboot
2: and this is a different league entirely uh, uh, I see but yeah I've seen snippets of it on, on social media um, it it definitely looks more entertaining, entertaining only because uh, apparently there's more leniency in the yeah, rules.
0: Mm-hmm. But um, it's still they still take their safety precautions. Like the most dangerous play in the sport, which is a kickoff, doesn't exist anymore. But you know they don't call as many head to head helmet to helmet,
2: uh, so you get the ex- exciting plays still yeah yeah for sure uh you know i i actually saw i'm pretty sure you saw this clip it was uh yeah. it was uh it was a clip of uh, i think it was nick bercovici he mm-hmm. was he was a former nfl quarterback and he got slammed yeah pummeled and that 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 tackle would have been would have been a 15-yard <laughs> Gary, penalty yeah, and, a, yeah. and a twenty thousand dollar fight in the nfl and this type of thing will help the league gain more popularity notoriety oh yeah for sure i mean i think i think the nfl's kind of you know a little worried that, you know the the AAF yeah. uh, is is doing things that NFL viewers uh, <laughs> want to see from the NFL. There's
0: just less politics attached to this league. There's no, you
2: know corporate trouble. It's just football, you know, football. Yeah. All right. uh, let's go see what's going on in the current events section. The Senate Intelligence Committee has come to its official has come to its official conclusion of the two year uh, Trump investigation into Russian collusion and their conclusion is that there was no evidence of russian collusion with president trump into the u.s election vincent what do you think about that
0: of course this is the senate intelligent committee intelligence committee uh the senate obviously controlled by republicans no shock here we knew this would be the conclusion um uh, many other investigations are still going on and whether or not there was russian
2: collusion with trump is uh, still an ongoing question Awesome. All right, moving on. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody has heard of this, but President Donald Trump, as of yesterday, I believe, has declared a national emergency on the southern border. Uh, doing by doing this, he has effectively dedicated eight billion dollars, which is being redirected from uh, other federal programs, towards Funding this new border wall. What do you think about that? Um, This this
0: uh, action could definitely be shut down in the future There's already many bills to try to do this I do find this to be unconstitutional, but that's a debate and bottom line. We've debated it before I disagree
2: with a wall But he's gonna force his hand to build the wall anyways Yep, all right. There's definitely a lot of dispute about this But let's go ahead and move on to one of the bigger stories of this week. Uh, I believe is Andrew McCabe the former FBI director uh, came out in a 60 Minutes uh, interview on CBS, I believe, and he basically uh, admitted to attempting to use the 25th Amendment to basically remove Trump from office. What do you think about that? Mr.
1: But McCabe says Rosenstein raised another idea. The 25th Amendment to the Constitution allows the vice president and a majority of the cabinet to remove the president.
3: A discussion of the 25th Amendment was, was simply, Rod raised the issue and discussed it with me in the context of thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort. Um, I didn't have much to contribute, to be perfectly honest, in that uh, conversation, so I listened to what he had to say. Um, but to be fair, it was an unbelievably stressful time. I can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the Deputy Attorney General's mind at that point. So um, it was really something that he kind of threw out in a, in a very frenzied, um, chaotic conversation about where we were and what we needed to do next.
1: What seemed to be coursing through the mind of the Deputy Attorney General was getting rid of the President of the United States. Well, one I, way or another,
3: I can't confirm that. But what I can say is the deputy attorney general was definitely very concerned about the president, about his capacity and about his intent at that point in time.
1: How did he bring up the idea of the 25th Amendment to you? Honestly,
3: I don't remember. He, it was just another kind of topic that he jumped to in the
1: midst of a, 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 of a wide-ranging conversation. Seriously? Have you, <laughs> just yeah. another topic? Yeah. Did you counsel him on that? I
3: didn't. I mean, he was discussing um, other cabinet members and whether or not people would support such an idea, whether or not other cabinet members would um, shared his belief that the president was— um, was really concerning, was concerning, Rod, at that time.
1: Rosenstein was actually openly talking about whether there was a majority of the cabinet who would vote to remove the president.
3: That's correct. Counting
1: votes or possible votes. Did he assign specific votes to specific people? No, not that I recall. As you're sitting in this meeting in the Justice Department talking about removing the President of the United States, you were thinking, what?
3: How did I get here? Confronting these confounding legal issues of such immense importance, not just to the FBI, but to the entire country. It was. Um, it was disorienting.
0: Uh, yeah. So this obviously, uh, even though the news just broke, it happened. The actual thing happened a while ago, and I just think this continues to show the controversy behind Trump's presidency and how even those that are somewhat close to him uh, have, have doubts about him, whether or not he can lead the country.
2: Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, we've seen different uh, perspectives from uh, various media sources. Conservatives out there calling it an attempted a, a attempted coup d'état, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, sounds. Sounds a little, uh, you know, <laughs> extreme. Uh, you know, there are also uh, liberals and Democrats out there who are uh, also calling this. Uh, you know, probably uh, they're they're probably calling Andrew McCabe a, a woke person. <laughs> yeah well but bottom line we have to make sure that every everything we do in the country we do constitutionally and this is going to be an ongoing case and we'll see what happens yes for sure but without further ado let's go ahead and hop into obama's administration all right so obama's administration i apologize to all you listeners out there uh, I, i'm getting over uh a, a bit of a cold so jensen's been sick a while now yeah but... so uh if uh if if i do sound a little a little ill uh that's that's because i'm getting over this cold but uh, I'm, I'm trying to do my best to to sound uh presentable to you guys here <laughs> yeah. today in this episode but uh let that not get in the way of our episode today regarding obama so let's uh Let's hop right into things, Vincent. Uh, I just, what do you think of, uh, or what did you think of Obama's mm-hmm. presidency when he was in, uh, when he was in office?
0: I mean, I think both of us can agree we might have been a little bit too young to be able to fully judge Obama, but looking back in hindsight, even though we're both on the opposite end of spectrums, I think we can both kind of, I think we both feel pretty indifferent to him. I don't know if you dislike him. It's hard for me to say whether or not I disliked him as a president. I'm pretty indifferent towards him. I like the way he led us as a country. He made us look good. He represented us well. But many of his policy ideas, I disagree with.
2: Yeah, I, I, I guess we could, we could sort of agree on that. Uh, um, policy wise, I, I didn't really agree with the majority of his policies. Um, you know, I also thought that he was a very, very good speaker. Of course, yeah. uh, he was. He was. I think a huge reason as to why the American people uh, kind of fell in love with him uh, was uh, because. Uh, he he he's actually he's definitely much better than uh, President Trump <laughs> at a public speaking. Uh, he has he has a certain tone to him uh, when he speaks, and uh, I think that really helped that really helped him rally the American people. Uh, you know when uh, when the American people needed mm-hmm. needed at times a leader.
0: And yeah, um, I think um, later on we'll, we'll touch about this later once we start discussing policy. But I think we both we both didn't like him in some ways, but for completely different reasons. And I think that's a pretty um, funny thing. Yeah. Because I think yeah. he wasn't liberal enough for me, but he was too liberal for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somewhere
2: along the lines <laughs> yeah. of that. But uh, uh, during Obama's tenure as a president, he enacted a, a lot of policies, actually. Um, one of the most notable uh, and one of the most uh, infamous, I guess you could call it, from my side of the mm-hmm. aisle, uh, was, was Obamacare under the uh, Affordable Care Act. Uh, and, uh, you know, Obamacare has... <laughs> Has it really uh, blossomed into what Obama thought it was going to be? Uh, uh, I'm sure Vincent can also agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it, it, it was an attempt at socialized the medicine in the country, but I just what, what do you think about Obamacare?
0: You know I, I would disagree that this was um, uh, like a socialized policy because I think what people often don't know is that the Affordable Care Act, which would become known as Obamacare, was actually a Heritage Foundation idea, which is the Heritage Foundation is of course a conservative, um, a consor- a conservative organization, and this was actually the the healthcare that Mitt Romney, oddly enough, implemented in his state. So Obama kind of just took it and used it and branded it as his own. Un um, dissimilar to Medicare for All, Obamacare still leaves in the big for profit insurance companies, and that's you know it's a compromise between. Um, uh, unsocialized healthcare and fully socialized healthcare, and any compromise like that will never be enough. So for me, I think he didn't go far enough. But for you, I think he went a little bit too far.
2: Yeah, and um, you know, also with uh, with Obamacare, uh, you know, I just um, Obama definitely uh, didn't deliver on his promises regarding uh, that policy. Um, because he, uh, one of the huge, uh, huge fallacies of it that a lot of people, um, even liberals who agreed to go on the plan, uh, were kind of angry about was what Obama was was announcing o- Obamacare. Um, he was quoted in a speech where he said, uh, "If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care <laughs> plan," uh, and that obviously uh, wasn't true because there, were, you know, there were thousands of Americans out there who were outraged. Uh, when they did enlist uh, into the into the program that they weren't able to keep their health care plan uh, with Obamacare they weren't able to keep their doctors uh, and uh, I guess that was one of the fallacies of Obamacare Obama also tried uh, also said that he he wanted to guarantee every American who didn't have health care uh, to get health insurance but uh, I mean as Vincent knows and as I know there are almost 30 million Americans out there who are still uninsured which is a huge problem that we have to deal with here in the US so
0: Uh, yeah so but where though we both kind of have problems with Obamacare where I would disagree with you is I think it was a step in the right direction because let's not forget that Obamacare did get 20 million people who previously were uninsured to become insured and ever since Republicans since 2016 since once they've started to try to repeal it 7 million people have lost insurance so it was a step in the right direction But unless we go full out Medicare for all, any sort of compromise, which Obamacare was, um, simply won't do. And uh, i also like to point out that um, even though Obama tried to – I mean said that he wanted to guarantee Medicare – I mean healthcare is a right to everybody. Here's one of the things I don't like about Obama, pretty similar to Hillary Clinton, (laughs) is that like he frustrates you because he says all these things like, oh yeah, I want everybody to have healthcare – but then how come he doesn't fight for Medicare for All? Um, and to me, that's just because he's a typical uh, paid-off politician. Um, so a lot of people debate how progressive or how liberal Obama was. Um, and so to me, he was kind of frustrating with many of his policies.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when you when you were talking about uh, Obama delivering on his campaign products, promises, that is also, you know, a, a huge thing as to why... Uh, um, you know, people didn't really uh, like Obama because a huge thing was his speaking. He was able to, to announce his ideas, but he wasn't able to exactly uh, get those ideas into fruition. Um, like uh, you know, with with Obamacare, it also kind of took a toll on on the U.S. government as well because, as you know, with with a with a big uh, you know health program such as this, it requires a lot of spending, and actually, Obamacare drove up entitlement spending by quite a bit uh and it's estimated from 2018 to 20 2027 uh, the costs for obamacare would be would be about 4.8 trillion dollars and it also drove up entitlement spending and it actually exceeded the defense budget uh to 1.6 trillion dollars which is I think a huge, a huge fallacy when it came to Obamacare, um, because it was riddled with so much, so much problems and issues, that there were so many that we couldn't just plug one hole. Like when we plugged one hole, one hole would open up, and water would spew into the boat. If you get what I mean. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, um, Obamacare, obviously, like I said, and so you know, the thing about Obamacare is that. If I would always choose to have Obamacare opposed to nothing, right? Like, obviously, my main goal is universal health care, Medicare for all. But I'd still take Obamacare over what we previously had, which was um, almost no socialized health care. Because it was still able to get 20 million people who were uninsured insured. Um, and I think that is important. But ultimately, like I said earlier obama just didn't fight enough fight hard enough for the things that he believed in and then so i would argue maybe he didn't really believe in them mm. and he just used blank yeah. statements like last year during the midterm campaigns he came out uh, in a big speech and he was like you know there's several new good ideas like <laughs> medicare for all and we're all just like hey you know you were president for eight years you could have fought for that <laughs> but he always seemed to kind of like back down and yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah for sure um but, uh, you know, there's also that huge scandal with the Obamacare website. And, <laughs> What's that? Oh, you, oh, so I'm, this not, was, I'm not aware of this. No, this was a huge, uh, this was a huge controversy when, when it happened. So, uh, basically, um, people who wanted to sign up to Obamacare couldn't mm. because the website wasn't even functioning correctly. <laughs> uh, well. and come to find out, can you guess how much money Obama spent on the website? Let me guess. Um, two million. Add add oh, add a at, couple more zeros to that. Oh, it costs two billion dollars for the website. Sweet. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> and okay. uh,
2: yeah, yeah. So we, Obama spends two billion dollars two billion dollars on, on a website, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> You get this this huge scandal where the website's not functioning correctly, and people are outraged because they can't even get healthcare because of the because of the website. I mean, this just represents uh, one of the many uh, problems that was presented by mm-hmm. by this by this healthcare program. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think that that thing as a whole kind of shows off the problem with our healthcare system, and even even with Obamacare because. Um, you know, those people who can't can't afford healthcare from the big health companies and they rely on it from the government, if you have to have a website sign up and that website's down, you're going to have problems there. But, you know, once again, if to keep bringing it up, if we had a Medicare for All system, everybody would get it as soon as they're born. So, you know, Obamacare, I think Obamacare kind of shows what's wrong with our system. O- Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act, it's like... It's like taking something that's really terrible and trying your best to make it look good, but ultimately it's
2: still really terrible. So, yeah, you know, I mean, that's uh, my view of it. Uh, trying to put um try, you know, trying to put some makeup on a on on a, a, yeah. on a ugly donkey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and the donkey but, of course, to me, I know we
0: disagree, but the donkey to me is the whole healthcare system in America and makeup is Obamacare. But
2: but uh, yeah, uh you know, when it comes to the debate over socialized medicine, that definitely falls into Democratic Socialism and all that yeah, stuff. And we've
0: touched on that. Before. Yeah, but
2: hey, if you guys want to hear a Democratic Socialism Part 2 episode, <laughs> go ahead and go to our website. Visit it. Uh, our email is coinpolitics at gmail.com. If you guys... Uh, want to request another, uh, you know, part to that episode? We'd be more than happy to do that. Cause I know we would love to discuss we, that yes, again. We'd love to discuss that again. So if you guys want to hear that, go ahead and email us at coinpolitics at gmail But uh, moving along, uh, during Obama's administration, there was also that huge war in Syria, that was that was that was going on, and uh, you know, in recent news, uh, Trump did agree to pull out. Uh, a gradual, uh, you know, well, pull out of, of he, U.S. troops. He
0: agreed to pull out half the troops, yeah. which
2: was 7,000 out of 14. Um, I mean, and that's a good start, but, you know. Uh, yeah, but, uh, so, that that's basically the whole deal uh, in Syria. And, uh if, it's, uh if you could kind of give the viewer, uh, the listeners, a, a current, like, rundown of the Syria situation. Okay,
0: yeah, so, right now in Syria, there's kind of, there's an ongoing civil war. Um, and the current leader, where I mean dictator Assad, yeah. um, he doesn't treat his citizens well, which is an understatement. Definitely not. Um, uh, so America, and I think it, I believe it started with Obama in twenty eleven or something. 2015, twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Oh,
2: okay. That or, that was when U.S. troops first entered in Syria. In okay. 2015. But
0: before, even before that, I believe we were arming the rebels there because we were trying to get a. We we're pretty much forcing a re- regime change. And then now we put troops in. I think we have about 14,000. Trump has recently, well, Trump originally called for a a complete pullout um, right around the New Year's, but then that was faced with backlash, so he's saying that he's only doing a half pullout. Um, And so, Jensen, I'm curious about how you feel about
2: not just the war on Syria, but like regime change wars as a whole. Um, Well, when it comes to the the war in Syria and, you know, current events and past events regarding Obama and Trump... um, uh, at first, I didn't agree with Trump's uh, with Trump's agree to withdraw the, the troops from Syria, only mm-hmm. because um, there is still the potential for the Islamic State or other jihadist terrorist groups to to you know arise uh, without the presence of a, a stronger military force there. But now I'm at, now I'm i I'm slightly approving it only because there there's still a military presence being left okay. there. So you're fine with reducing it. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with reducing it because you know those brave men, those brave men and women are out there you know serving our country, defending, uh, defending our rights, our independence. Yeah. Um, but uh, when it came to uh, Obama's treatment with the uh, the Syrian war, um, I didn't think it was sufficient enough. Only because uh, Obama failed to initially to initially recognize the threat that the Islamic State and Assad's regime posed in the middle east especially in syria and i think that kind of that that helped to the rise of jihadists and uh, you know uh the the influence of terrorist groups uh, the likes of isis mm-hmm. uh, al-qaeda to develop in the region uh and i think that obama kind of just shrugged kind of just shrugged it off and thought that uh, they were just uh, they were small terrorists because because obama actually called isis the jv team in in the Middle East. He, he, well,
0: initially, you know, when I, when okay. Al
2: Qaeda was at its strongest
0: and ISIS was relatively new, I mean, I guess that, you know, that wasn't inaccurate.
2: But at this, we all know what happened. Yeah, after I think that. it was a gross underestimate mm-hmm. of of the potential that that ISIS yeah. posed in the region.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of it's funny again. Like I keep saying it, but we both we kind of both disagree on. The way Obama treated things in the Middle East and Syria, but for different reasons. So for me personally, I take a very Tulsi Gabbard point of view, which is <laughs> oh wow,
2: I'm
0: I'm, I'm complete, I'm anti regime change wars uh-huh. because we look at all the big terrorist groups now, and they're using American weapons, and so we saw I believe in two thousand eleven America started arming the rebel groups in Syria, um, and much of those weapons were the ones that transferred over to groups like ISIS and other terrorist groups. Um, and not to not to mention that, even though Assad is a brutal dictator, he doesn't uh, pose a direct threat to America. Um, And so, like you said earlier, those men and women in in our military who are defending our rights, it's like, what are they doing in Syria? Like they're not like Syria doesn't pose a threat to us. And you could say, well, we're defending human rights, but it's odd how once we got there, um, the humanitarian situation got worse because of our presence. Um, And I don't believe in just backing out uh, ignorantly. I think we got to be smart smart about it. we got to make sure that we do it the right way. But we we did um, wrongfully get into Syria and in the Middle East, so we have to smartfully pull out. And whether that's gradual, um, if that's the best way to do it, then we'll do it gradually. But um, within a few years, we should be completely out of Syria and preferably
2: the Middle East as a whole, in my opinion. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I think I kind of come from a, a a different point of view because uh, um, at the time when this when this Syria conflict was really raging and Obama was in office, uh, I think Obama should have done should have done more of a role to to kind of have a a, a more uh, enforcing stance uh, in the in the whole situation because I mean in Syria to the disappointment of actually many U.S. allies, uh, the U.S. didn't have as strong of a role in 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 the syria conflict and i think that um because the u.s didn't have uh didn't have as strong of a role, of a role in uh in 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 actively trying to subdue assad's regime in syria i think that that's why we see such a huge refugee and humanitarian crisis uh going on in the region well i mean
0: you know we've seen it ever since the days of george hw bush but every time we get involved, um, and it's typically in the Middle East, but in regime change wars as a whole, you know everything goes wrong because we tend to arm the rebels, and those weble- those weapons will be get into the wrong hands, and it, it's it's always the case. You can look at the statistics. The humanitarian crisis got infinitely worse once we got there. It's estimated that five hundred thousand C- Syrian civilians have been killed in the civil war, and that's really unfortunate. Um, but let's not get it wrong. That was Mostly due to us getting there. So the way I see it is unless the country poses a direct threat to us um, Then I think we should back out. So for instance, I supported the assassination of Osama bin Laden because we saw that he actually did pose a serious threat to us Obviously, um, we all know about the unfortunate events of 9-11 um, So we had to put a stop to him and we did a good job of that but in Syria, Assad doesn't pose a threat to us at all. We should let the people of Assad of, of Syria decide what's going on, and unless things become completely bad and harmful to our country, which it wasn't, then at that point, then we should step in. But
2: well, I, I mean, then again, the, I don't think the people of Syria can decide um what's going to happen with the Syrian regime, only because Assad's had a di- a dictatorial grip on on the regime for for many years, and he's been you know. He's been he's been biochemically attacking his own civilians, and if he's doing that, then I don't think how the civilians would, would ever be able to 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 try and you know change the the way of life and the way that the government is ran in, in Syria. I but mean,
0: uh, yeah, but I mean, like, but who are we though? Like, how come America always gets to play the role of the police? I mean, imagine back in the day, like during the French Revolution, what if another country had a big role in that? Um, it just I think really every country and especially America unless unless someone else poses a threat to you then you should be more on defensive and not um, and especially those that when uh, we look at previous coups that America has done the people that we put in charge afterwards are usually dictators too that just does America's bidding and I think that's unfair to the people of the the country um, so I think we should back out but we should do it uh, in a smart way in a manner that we make sure that things are right
2: but well, I mean, uh, then again, I do think that uh, we do have an obligation to to pre- to preserve the human rights of of you know allied countries, and uh, if you're are if you're against the if you're against like the the U.S. intervention uh, in the war, uh, then are you also against the European intervention in the war? Because um, there are there are obviously you know European and NATO allies that are involved that at the time were actually looking for the U.S.'s help in in Syria, and, uh, you know the the U S did help a little bit. I mean Obama did provide airstrikes, did provide the the uh, the supplies, the airdropped supplies uh, to the rebels. But um, are you against European inven- intervention as well, and do you think that you should just let the Syrian uh, regime and the people? Uh, decided out amongst themselves Uh, yeah you
0: know that's an interesting point but I want to make it clear like I'm not against um, helping humanitarian efforts but the main problem is statistics show that every time we get involved things get much worse so we're not helping we really are not and I haven't looked into enough about what European countries do I know Russia has a big role but um, personally I can't um, I'm not comfortable saying whether or not I support it just because I haven't done my um, haven't done enough research on that But also, we spend so much money doing these uh, regime-change wars that ultimately prove fruitless, we'd lose uh, many American soldiers, we end up killing several of their civilians, when uh, a lot of that money could be reallocated to several things in our own country, such as free college, it could help pay for Medicare for All. Um, And I think we need to focus on making our country as a whole better internally, rather than trying to play the role of the world police or something
2: yeah and i think that's that's where we can see we differ um in the in the, in the you know this the syrian war and uh, uh other things such as that and i'm curious as to what you think about what we should do with venezuela yeah <laughs> uh only because uh you know th- that is a very current situation mm-hmm. that is going on in uh, south america with you know juan guaido and we've touched on this um in previous episodes but uh, you know with juan guaido uh rising to power as the interim president while uh while uh you know nicolas maduro is also still in power and we see this battle between two factions of the venezuelan government and who are fighting for the people's support yeah so in the
0: in the middle east and places like syria we made the mistake of getting involved there to where now it's more difficult to pull out where we have to do it in a strategic smart way Um, i'm sure you've you've heard about that like people are saying that we have to help the kurds in syria you know, so we got to be smart. But I think right now we ha- we can make a choice, an important decision that we shouldn't go and um, intervene in Venezuela because if we go ahead, then we're going to cause problems and then later on we're going to have trouble getting out of there. But I think right now, especially with Venezuela, we see that they have, the people have tr- uh, tried to choose a new president. Um, and we should just let them go at it. And I know things are rough in Venezuela right now. Uh, inflation is terrible. People... Can, are starving every day. Um but they're ultimately eating, they're eating yeah, their own pets. Yeah, yeah there's it's many stories crazy. about that. But ultimately who who are we to tell them what they can and cannot can and cannot do? them as a, them as the civilians, they should we should allow the
2: people of Venezuela to decide. Um well, I you brought up the issue with the Kurds and uh and, and Turkey and Syria. Um but uh, I think that whole issue with the Kurds as you mentioned earlier is is a result of failed US intervention only because with the U.S. failing to intervene, we're actually seeing our allies who are supposed to be alleviating the Syria situation, fighting each other in the same region. I mean, we're allies with Turkey, and Turkey is having its own internal conflict, uh, and Russia is also intervening in, in Syria, and I think that without the U.S. intervention in, in the Syria region, uh, we're, we're seeing a, a, a sort of uh, degradation. Of, of the ties between our own allies who are who are trying to come into that region to try for the same goal to try and get rid of Assad but then they just end up fighting each other instead of the real enemy
0: yeah so you know like I said we got to do it in a smart way we got to and because of the unfortunate situation that we put ourselves in now which we got involved in Syria it's going to be harder to back out like I said so we got to make sure and we can back our allies I'm not saying we shouldn't back our allies that's what allies are for we've seen it throughout the history of the world and with uh, different countries. But personally, I don't think that we should have um, our troops to be fighting in there, especially because we're ri- they're risking their lives when it doesn't affect America all that much, yet we kill thousands of people, innocent women, children, and just uh, the civilians of those countries who don't deserve to be dead. Um, and they wouldn't have been dead if we hadn't intervened. So I think, as a whole, America should become much less uh, regime change wars but this you know this is a, a controversial issue this is one that people in both sides of the spectrum kind of debate like democrats will debate other democrats on whether or not we should be um for regime change wars and same thing with the republican party so this is a very you know it's not as black and white as it
2: uh as yeah. compared to some other issues yeah, for sure um you know that that was basically uh, obama's take on, on the war of syria on the war on syria um but uh, let's let's bring back the the discussion back home for for a little <laughs> bit. Uh, um, we touched on oh, some of Obama's policies in the beginning of the episode, but I kind of want to just touch on touch on more of that. Um, you know, uh, Obama actually. Um, I don't know if Vince will agree on will agree with me on this, but uh, the Obama administration has been the least transparent and the most antagonistic towards the media since the Nixon administration. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, I was dumbfounded by this too, but I, I was reading a, uh, an article from the Huffington Post. And uh, in 2013, a report by the Committee to Protect Journalists uh, documents, uh, documents that the Obama administration spent $30 million under the Espionage Act to jail more journalists and whistleblowers and every single U.S. president combined. And uh, I just, what do you think? Because that, that, that's an absolutely astounding number. Well, uh,
0: you know, first of all, I, I heavily disagree that they're the most, what's the term that you used? Um, uh, uh, least transparent? Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I disagree with that considering, you know, you look at Trump's administration and they flat out, they don't allow some reporters into some press briefings. Um, you know, Obama never did that. And on the whole, uh, whistleblower thing, you know, I'm not one hundred percent sure about that. But you know, some of this goes back to you know the Patriot Patriot Act and people like Edward Snowden, Um, right? Uh, And something I do know is that
2: Obama once Edward Snowden. Where is he now? Is he in Russia? He's in the Ecuadorian embassy. Yeah. In uh, I don't I don't think he's in. Oh, no, no, that, I was thinking... Oh, no, sorry. I was thinking Juliet <laughs> Julian guy. Assange. Uh-oh. But, uh, yeah, Edward Snowden is in Russia, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I, so I don't know how much Obama like went after those people, but I know in Edward Snowden's case, I remember there's a kind of funny press briefing. They're like, so what are you going to do about it? And he's like, look, I'm not going to start scrambling fighter jets to get this hacker. so I mean...
2: He's only going to scramble the CIA, <laughs> and, you know?
0: Well, be- yeah, and then, you know... It also, whether or not that, that number you put out there is true, I think it does, um, it does coincide with the times that we are in. I think he had the presidency between a time where, from 2008 to 2016 obviously, where technology and social media really started to grow and the accessibility of information started spreading like crazy. So I think there, is, there should be a natural increase of um, think, people like whistleblowers, because obviously with the NRA spying. That was a big case and you know, you had a few whistleblowers in that situation. Yeah, the, big brother,
2: the Big Brother surveillance system, is, which is what yeah, it's Yeah, which called. I'm heavily
0: uh, against. Uh well, yeah, well what do you feel about things like
2: the NRA spying on us and uh well um, as it pertains to Obama, uh, you know, uh a huge point of conservatism is individual rights. Mm-hmm. And uh I'm I'm strongly against this, uh, because uh it's I believe that it's a it's it's a violation of our of a god of our god given rights because the government is always supposed to do these three things and it's to protect the life uh, is protect your life liberty and property it's all supposed to do it's not supposed to be surveying you uh, from some from some satellite you know five hundred miles in the atmosphere you yeah you know what I mean
0: yeah uh, I mean I but where <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's a conservative value. Because, um, you know, you have people on both sides. I think the majority of people as a whole in America are against the Patriot Act. That's why it was a top-secret thing. That's why people didn't know about it until Edward Snowden uh, released the documents to it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we can agree that it kind of – it does go against human rights. And I would even say if it makes America a safer country, I would still say no to it just because uh, you can't take away this – the privacy and the freedom of Americans –
2: yeah you know we see these um, especially these huge social media platforms that get hacked Mm -hmm. and you know they have uh, you know for example Facebook Facebook has has you know what I'm pretty sure like a billion a billion users three billion users on it yeah and it's been hacked multiple times before where their user information gets leaked gets taken by some by some you know uh, some couch potatoes somewhere (laughs) in China yeah. Um, you know especially with the banking system. see like these these systems that we think are so uh, are so uh, incorruptible and so uh, incompromisable where your safety is where your information is is safe in those databases is I think it's completely false because anybody yeah. can hack into a pro- into a program like Big Brother. Yeah. That has literally every single information about your life, your credit card number, your social security number, uh, what you spent $5 on last week to buy lunch. Uh, I think that these kind of systems can be easily corrupted and hacked. And as a result of these kinds of systems, we see uh, every, a lot of, you know, uh, single moms who get their credit cards hacked and they don't have any more money left in the bank. Yeah. You know and what so, I
0: mean? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, some we saw the... Like you said, I'm with banking, I'm sure, and, and Facebook, the, you know, Facebook was hacked. Um, I believe Wells Fargo too, right? Uh, oh, yeah, that was, a hu- that was a huge,
2: yeah. a huge scandal. And then
0: also, also Sony, um, and I believe a recent, a big hotel company. And so going, kind of tying this back, you know, if you don't trust some, some hacker from the opposite side of the world with information, you know, why would you really trust the government either? Like, they haven't proved to be much better with that information. <coughs> Um, and we've seen countries hack other countries, so who's to say that a hacker couldn't get into yeah. America's documents and then, therefore getting into yours? Um, yeah. and yeah.
2: You know, yeah, and then that kind of, that kind of segues into, to the whole issue of, you know, Russian hacking and interference into the, uh, uh, into, into the, the U.S. election. And, uh, you know, uh, when it came to, when it came to, uh, Obama's presidency during his, his final years, um a huge problem i had with obama was that he basically shut down the state department's anti-russian propaganda operation which i was completely against and i think that you could agree with that too where uh the state department was basically trying to shut down russian bots who Mm -hmm. were on social media spreading you know fake ads and and and, you know fake news basically and obama effectively uh, shut down that operation which i was you know i think that if he did it then this whole Russian collusion uh, this whole Russian collusion thing, what would, would it be as severe as it is today and what do you think about like you know dealing with foreign interference especially with Obama uh, mm-hmm. who was in office you know uh, only a couple years ago
0: well, yeah I mean Obama's foreign policy is often questioned by many um, and you know I'd like to touch I'm not sure about the the point that you made but I would like to point out that he in 2015, he did renew. He did sign off on the on renewing the Patriot Act, which is um, mm. a pretty disgusting uh, <laughs> a move, in my opinion. But you know, when relating to other countries, the biggest thing about Obama's foreign policy. Um, what I liked about it wasn't even his policy. It was just the way that he, you know, like you said his earlier his speech, just the way he speaks. It feel I feel like it makes everybody around him more comfortable. Um, I'm sure other countries... Yeah, he, has a, he has a vibe around him, a yeah. certain vibe. It's, I don't know what kind of vibe it is, but... It's almost hypnotic, and um, I think he used much of that to do his foreign policies. Um, yeah, but, I, you know, whether or not... And then there's also some people that claim that Obama also interfered with... I mean, that he and Russia had some collusion things. Um, but, you know, that's questionable. That's, those are always hard to tell. But overall, Obama, he... You know, he had his ups, his downs. Definitely renewing the Patriot Act is a big no-no in my opinion, and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with me
2: on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Obama did also have a, a plethora of, of, of foreign policy scandals, um, especially the whole issue when it came to um, when he pulled the missile defense shield uh, that the U.S. provided uh, to Poland and the Czech Republic, which, as you know, are, are countries that are near Russia. And uh, you know Russia is you know trying kind of pushing westward into a Ukraine and a, uh, actually the annexation of Crimea happened under Obama and Obama did nothing about it, uh, but and this when it came to foreign policy and this whole issue Obama was caught whispering to to the Russian uh, Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev saying that that I think that this is probably one of the more despicable moments of of Obama's presidency. Uh, where he says that, where Obama effectively whispered into Dmitry Medvedev's ear that, this this is my last election, <laughs> and when I get reelected, I will have more flexibility regarding this issue. Now I know I kind of sounded like George Bush in that yeah, in that yeah. interpretation, <laughs> but uh, uh, this this I I think I think with that little quote right there, I think. Obama has colluded more with Russia than Trump has well, in his 2-year tenure. Well, I, no, I would definitely disagree with that point because uh you know the
0: whole when it comes down to Russia the question is whether or not that interfered with the election. Um and oh there's def- there's no controversy behind whether or not Russia uh, helped Obama get elected or anything. And just looking at how close the Clinton Trump uh race really was Um, That's why so much, you know, that's why so much controversy is behind it. Because, I mean, I'm sure if, let's say, Clinton got elected, people would forget about it. Or let's say Trump blew Clinton out, people probably would be like, how much could Russia really have done? But, you know, now there's a, it was a close race, uh, and there's a lot of things behind it. I definitely do not, there's no proof that Obama had any uh, big connections to Russia collusion, Russian collusion. Well,
2: I mean, I I think this this conversation with the Russian Prime Minister is is basically. Uh, well, I mean, can he not talk to another Prime Minister? Well, the no, dif- I mean, he he can. But
0: well, the difference it- is, Trump had um, several unknown meetings. Many of Trump's close al- uh, many of Trump's many people close to Trump had um, un un unknown meetings to meetings of Russian uh, uh, Russian workers too. Uh, but Obama, he was pretty transparent about that issue. I mean, I don't know if you would agree with that. I but. mean,
2: uh, every president has their fair share of of closed door uh, meetings with world leaders. But I mean, I don't think that I don't think that has to that has to signify some sort of uh, some sort of collusion with Russia, especially with Trump. Because uh, I'm sure Obama had his fair share of closed door meetings with, not only you know Russian diplomats, but maybe even German diplomats, you know Ukrainian diplomats, any 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 diplomat from from any country basically. Uh, so I I do think it's kind of unfair to 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 say that a closed door meeting with some foreign diplomat is is evidence of collusion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean.
2: Uh... You know once again russia it's a very uh, touchy subject yeah i mean russia russia for sure is controversial on every on every level
0: yeah uh and I'd I like to go back to your um your missile defense point earlier uh i'm I believe Obama might have cut down on missiles overseas but I know he did increase them within the country uh and so that kind of shows no
2: hey, no it it was't it wasn't missiles it was, I mean, uh, it but was but missile yeah. interceptors or yeah it was a, 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 missile, yeah. yeah missile defenses yeah
0: Yeah, no, he increased them. I believe he increased some in Alaska, and he might have sent some to Japan too. Um, But, you know, that kind of shows his differing, once again, why I find he's frustrating because it seems like he's trying to back up overseas from foreign intervention, but at the same time he supports things like the war in Syria. Uh, And, yeah, so Obama's presidency, very very up and down. Yeah,
2: there was also that whole deal with the Iran nuclear deal. Mm-hmm. Where he gave he basically gave like 300 something tons of, of uh, nuclear grade uranium to to Iran. and I know that sparked know that sparked a lot of debate among conservatives and liberals only because um, to me this 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 was absolutely stupid by giving by giving probably one of our 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 more infamous foreign enemies uh, weapons grade uranium. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is to to develop their own nuclear program, is absolutely absurd, because you know after all the U S uh, does not negotiate with terrorists. I mean, <laughs> it's, that's the common phrase among every single U S president.
0: Yeah, so the, you know there's kind of a controversy behind the Iran nuclear deal, because there's there's several pros and cons to it. Um, the idea was that we could co- compromise with Iran, and we would get Iran to n- stop developing nuclear weapons. Um, and under the deal, part of it did work because Iran actually, they did comply because, um, by, as of 2017, they had destroyed almost 14,000 nuclear centrifuges and they were starting to fill their nuclear reactor with concrete. But at the same time, they also did, um, they were still kind of looking at developing nuclear weapons in the future. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the nuclear deal, I don't think Trump should have been as quick to pull out, and I think um, on a, from Obama's point of view, it wasn't a bad deal. It wasn't terribly one sided because uh, we did get Iran to kind of slow down their wep- their nuclear weapons development, um, and as we've seen, they've they've been complying pretty decently. But there are some risks to it, and we should
2: just be careful about it. But well, I mean, I don't I don't think uh, complying is is exactly the word because I I mean. I mean, when it comes to to the to the dismantlement of you know the the centrifuges, and the the nuclear facilities, I mean, um, Iran promised that they would grant any time, anywhere, uh, short notice inspections when it came to inspecting their facilities. But instead, what we got was a managed access schedule where it was a twenty four day. Uh, flawed process and it turns out it wasn't even the US or the UN who was conducting the inspections. It was actually Iranian officials who are conducting uh, those inspections. And then uh, when it comes to when it comes to the, to the, to dismantling the Iranian uranium uh, centrifuges and the, the nuclear facilities, um, I, I don't think that a lot of their nuclear facilities were actually dismantled. Um, and it, it, I think that it actually allowed Iran to improve its its centrifuges and, and retain the, the, the facilities, and then, um, uh, also, uh, what what we promised was uh, that Iran must fully cooperate and uh, satisfy the concerns uh, of the I A E A over possible you know uh, uh, over the possibility of militarizing its nuclear program. But then, what we got was their roadmap, which basically lacked enforcement mechanisms, and it, it failed to provide a baseline for the Iranian compliance. And uh, also, when it came to when it came to inspecting the Iranian roadmap, uh, when it came to militarizing its nuclear program, um, it it failed to detect actually hidden nuclear test sites uh, in Iran. But luckily, they were luckily they were discovered and shut down. Uh, but I mean, uh, you brought up good points that uh, you know Iran has had has made an effort to to try and to try and, uh you know uh, agree with the deal. But I, I I did agree I do agree with Trump pulling out of it, yeah. and I definitely did disagree well, with Iran or with mm-hmm. Obama, you know, trying to to make this deal.
0: Well, I mean, the the study I mentioned
2: earlier of June
0: of twenty seventeen. So you kind of touched on how whether or not we should trust Iran. It was actually the IAEA and it was um, and Trump's own State Department who concluded that Iran was uh, complying compiling complying with the terms, which was destroying, which has which means that they had destroyed destroyed fourteen thousand nuclear co- centrifuges and started destroying uh, filling up their nuclear reactor of concrete. Um, and what's interesting is Trump's own aides. I know we're not trying to talk about Trump too much, <laughs> yeah. but the, their his own aides did uh, suggest not pulling out, but he did it anyways. So, like many of Obama's policies, it seemed like it was a decent step in the right direction, but it wasn't. Um, maybe it wasn't the best it could have been. I think perhaps instead of pulling out like Trump did, we could be tougher on Iran and um, be smarter about it. But I definitely do think the Iran nuclear deal um, was was definitely a step in the right direction, just because we saw Iran was comp- uh, complying with our terms, um, and it did make. It is making things... It's discouraging discouraging nuclear proliferation um, in the area. But yeah, I mean, like I said, like everything, Obama,
2: step in the right direction, but not quite there yet. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I agree with with trying to to subdue uh, Iran's uh, weapons programs. I just, I just don't think that the, the way to do it was to give them weapons grade uranium. is, is basically all it was. But That's I a, mean,
0: but, you know, I mean, I don't think either of us are are uh, <laughs> nuclear engineers here. But if they're if we're if they're agreeing to uh, start denuclearizing, um, then you know what exactly does uranium do for them? You know, I mean. Once again, I feel like. I'm I mean, not... they can
2: say they're denuclearizing, yeah. but then I, I did mention the the hidden test sites that were discovered and dismantled. Of course, but you know, parts of it
0: were still complying. So I think rather than just pulling out of the deal as a whole, we should take it farther and just be tougher on them. Say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we inspect it more often. Otherwise, um, we'll rule that you're you're going against the deal, and there's gonna there might be consequences with that.
2: Um, I mean, I guess uh, you know what it, this. Uh, you know, dealing with with uh, foreign powers and and stuff with with the nuclear deal um, was definitely one of Obama's largest controversies. But I'd like to touch on uh, one more one more scandal the the Obama administration and um, it's often regarded as Obama's uh, first scandal. Okay. Um, and uh, I think this is also one of the more famous ones. It's called the Fast and Furious scandal. <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, what Obama tried to do. Was um, he? He tried to. He he was supporting the, the ATF and the Border Patrol and Customs and Homeland Security by basically um, providing them, uh, you know, with, with more weaponry and uh, more technology in order to com- in order to combat uh, Mexican drug cartels and gangs like the MS thirteen, which were currently in the U S. Mm-hmm. and uh, entering into the country legally. But what ended up happening was that as uh, but uh, as a result of Operation Fast and Furious, Obama actually ended up putting over 2,000 weapons in the hands of, of cartels. And actually, uh, in, in 2012, a federal judge rejected Obama's assertion of executive privilege to deny Congress access to the Fast and Furious-related records, because what ended up happening was Congress was so outraged that they requested to to look at the records of what happened in Operation Fast and Furious, and Obama tried to deny them that right by using executive privilege. But then the judge, the federal judge, rejected that. And uh, actually, the 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 scandal kind of actually got brought back into the limelight because when Chapo... Well, I'm sure you guys know who El Chapo is, right? Uh, okay. The the well, probably one of the biggest Mexican drug lords. Um, today when he was arrested he uh his entire operation was actually founded to contain uh was actually founded to be utilizing weapons that were obtained uh as a result of operation fast and furious and uh you know this actually kind of kind of plays into the supplying syrian rebels uh with weaponry yeah uh, yeah you know what i mean yeah. but uh what do you think uh about that
0: yeah so you make you make a really good point with the syrian rebels things because um, that does seem like it is what's what's happened. Like they armed many uh, gang members, and every these this would this event would get brought back into the news every time someone was killed as a result of having a gun that was because of the Fast and Furious acts, um, and I I do think this is one of the things that Obama did wrong, and you could you could see that with him, like you said, denying Congress access to records of it because he was probably he didn't want them to see it. He knew that there it was a uh, the wrong thing to do, um, but you know it was. You know I would I don't I wouldn't say it was his biggest controversy. Well, oh, f- I
2: mean I I didn't say it was his biggest oh, controversy, okay. but I, I said it right. was like his. It, it's kind of his first scandal.
0: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I believe it was uh, like 20, 2009 to two thousand eleven, um, and so one of the biggest problems was that the they made no effort to trace the guns.
2: Yeah, because I think the whole tactic is called gun walking, right? Yeah, so, yeah, they call it gun yeah, walking. Yeah, so basically they they. Uh, they allow the illegal trafficking of of firearms by the cartels, and what they're what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to track the sell the the sale of of the firearm to mm. the buyer, and yeah. by doing that, you'll be able to to regain the guns, and you'll also be able to capture the buyer. But you kind of just went wrong. <laughs> that that obviously um,
0: didn't work. But but something I would disagree with is I saw somewhere that the the NRA actually the National Rifle Association. They said that Obama tried to do this to um, bring up gun violence and then therefore have a cause to increase gun control. I don't think that was uh, you know I, I
2: I have no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's a conspiracy. I, I doubt o- that's what Obama had in mind. Um, you know the the idea that uh, government officials would try to increase death to promote something else like the whole bush did 9/11 yeah there's thing. there's there's a there's a plethora yeah. of
2: conspiracy theories that could go along with it any, yeah any but, US president. Um, but
0: the the fast and furious acts uh the huge i think you know they they tried to go after drugs um i don't think it worked i think there's better ways to do it we've kind of touched on that a little bit before we'll probably do it in a future episode but yep. this uh
2: definitely not it <laughs> <laughs> it's not it chief. it's it. not it uh but uh you know that would be a good way to uh to go <laughs> ahead and uh close off episode 4 mm. uh of the political petty the Obama administration but before we go guys um let's let's provide you guys with some some goals for the upcoming week uh do you have any ideas with uh i mean you know i was kind of thinking um how about we
0: have our viewers talk to their parents Listeners. about it? Yeah. Listeners, oh, Sorry, you guys are listening to us now. viewing us. Um, how about you guys like talk to your parents or something? I don't. Know. What do you think? Oh about yeah, that?
2: Um, you know uh, that's actually a great idea. So uh, how about all you guys out there? Uh, you guys go ahead and have you guys sit down with your parents. You know, discuss a current event. Uh, you know, it's 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 good to. Uh, uh, you know, try to establish that sort of connection with your parents when it comes to, uh, you know, the current political environment. Even if your parents um, don't share the same beliefs, or even if they don't care at all <laughs> when it comes to politics, what is good? It's good that you guys establish a, a, uh, a dialogue. Uh, you know, because um, when it when it comes down to it, uh, don't rely on us to to fill you guys in and uh, with the current political. Yeah. Uh, you know, goings of the day, but it's good to kind of have that dialogue with your parents and have you guys dissected on your on your own, and you know, uh, from there you can listen to other opinions such as our opinion, uh, CNN's opinion, Fox News's opinion, <laughs> Buzzfeed, Buzzfeed's opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, and going with the goal, even if you know, you know, you're you're part of a very strict authoritarian family, and you know that your parents will disagree on your with your beliefs. You know, I think it's uh, it's good to kind of. Bring it up to your parents and say, "Hey, you know, it's okay for family members to disagree on things." Yeah. Um, and if they if they threaten you, you oh. know, maybe you can uh, yeah. <laughs> back up. No, but, don't even go there, yeah. man. But um, you know, it, like we said, transparency between families and your beliefs it's a good thing. It only promotes um, peacefulness because people are bound to have different beliefs. But the only way to f- the only way we can deal with it is yeah. if
2: we accept them, even yeah, if yeah. we heavily disagree with awesome. it. And that's what this whole podcast is about. Yeah, you know, uh, try to establish that dialogue. You know, a, a civil discourse uh, between between you, friends, and family, um, especially about uh, you know controversial topics and hot and issues that we that we try to touch on yeah. uh, in this podcast. And absolutely, I think that if we can uh, establish uh, this podcast, uh, then I'm sure you guys. All out there could do it on your own, even without a podcast.
0: Yeah, you know that's how that's how me and Jensen started, obviously. And um, you know, just uh, do what you need to do to, you know, try. Like and- Jensen said, promote civil discourse.
2: Yeah, all right, and that's a great way to to end off today's episode, guys. Uh, before we go, guys, don't forget to subscribe and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, at the Political petty. And also, don't forget to visit us on our website, politicalpetty.com, I repeat, politicalpetty.com to receive news, updates, and more about our podcast, weekly newsletters, stuff that's going on between me, Vincent, in our daily lives at school. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and yeah. Uh,
0: please, if you guys have any problems, suggestions, concerns, questions, please feel free to email us at coinpolitics at gmail.com. I repeat coin politics at gmail.com
2: yep and you know uh, that's a way for you guys to get in touch with us uh, if you guys have any issues regarding our podcast ways we can improve uh any episode suggestions that you guys may have um you know especially if i saw the instagram we'll be posting a poll uh, you know, possibly in the coming weeks, uh, to see what you guys want to hear. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah. we're out of ideas. Guys, please <laughs> <Just> help. <laughs> no, we're not that. out of ideas. We got but, many uh, in the bank. It, it's good. It's good to to hear from you guys. So, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to episode four of the Political Petty. Uh, the Obama administration. I am Jensen Ahokobi. And I'm Vincent Jones. And thank you guys for listening to The Political Petty. We will see you guys next week.